Welcome to Church Unboxed, where we tackle the topics that most Christians are sometimes too scared to talk about. Each week, together with guests, I'll be uncovering issues that have been swept under the rug and listening to people who not only have inspiring stories, but in many cases are the voice of the voiceless. I'm your host, Sarah Tabo, worship leader, singer and songwriter. Welcome this week's guest, Pete Dawson. Pete is a church leader at Ivy Church in Manchester. Having grown up in Sheffield, he's a keen cyclist, a music and a Sheffield Wednesday fan. Now, there are many topics that Christians seem a little scared to talk about, but this has to be one of the most interesting topics, if you ask me, because Pete believes that too many Christians are scared to talk about Jesus. Welcome, Pete. Hey, good to be with you. Thanks, Sarah. Thank you so much for coming on board. Before we dive into the topic, I have a very burning question for you. Now, a lot of our guests on Church Unboxed are sharing stories about challenges, struggles, difficulties they faced. So in keeping with that, um, tell us about being a Sheffield Wednesday supporter. Being a Sheffield Wednesday supporter is oh, I think it's hard work. It's involved long suffering. It, no, it's um, I, I'm Sheffield born and bred. Um, right. I now live in Manchester, obviously, but um, I lived in Hills. But in fact, I was the mascot for Sheffield Wednesday, the guy that dressed up in a suit and ran around on the pitch. I did that wow. for a couple of years. Impressive. So um, I'm still a keen Wednesday act, but I live in a city with Manchester City and United fans. And so it's not a good thing to shout about because. People just mock me, but hey-ho. <laughs> I think you're used to getting that from being a fan of Sheffield Wednesday, so it's not really a big deal when you get it for being a fan of Jesus. It's just like <laughs> swings true. around yeah, about. Yeah. Same, really. <laughs> <laughs> swings around about. And obviously, um, in, in, in the Pentecostal circles, we call people like you PKs, pastors, kids, because, you know, you're the, right. son, you're the son of a vicar. And, you know, how, how would you describe that experience being a vicar's son as a teenager and obviously as a, as a young man as well? Were you scared to talk about Jesus with your mates at school? Did you find it? Did you find people kind of poking fun at you for being a vicar's son? You know, be interesting to see what your experience was. Yeah, I had a really interesting time growing up. Um, uh, I went to a Catholic school and so people would identify as Catholic, but not always Christian, which I always said, don't quite understand how that works, but Hey, right. that was just kind of the world we're in. Um, but yeah, I had, I wanted to be a guy that could fit it in with the, the kind of the more popular crowd. And I tried that and it failed miserably. And do you know what? I was talking to some, someone recently about my, my time at school and it was pretty difficult. I got... I, I was a Harry Potter and a Milky Bar Kid hybrid. I had huge glasses. I was tiny. My oh voice my didn't goodness. break until about 16. So oh, that didn't yeah. have me any good flavors anyway. <laughs> but then to top, top that off, um, yeah, uh, I was Christian. People knew it. People knew what my dad did. I was quite affectionately known as Bishop Boy. I was like, my dad's not a bishop. He's a vicar. And then it was the same thing. Um, <laughs> and then I had a great group of mates who got me and who were Christians as well. But um for some reason. Yeah, it, it was a bit of a tough time. I had some not nice moments where um, people would egg my house. People would, I remember when I had guitar lessons, I, I took some of the worship charts in to learn my guitar lessons. And I remember one time someone emptied my bag out and they found these worship books. And I was like, oh no. And they started tearing pages out and pretending to sing these songs. And so there's some sort of harrowing moments. And, wow. but you know what? Um, during my years at school, I, um, the Lord really gave me a love for his word and I really experienced the, 
the Holy Spirit on a regular basis in my life. And it was such a rock and an anchor. And to mm. have a community of people outside of that school experience who championed me, who were for me, who got me, was so important. Like Christian community is so important mm-hmm. for that. And so it was tough. And yeah, I guess I you have a choice. I have many friends who are pastors' kids and they made the decision like, just sack this. I'm just going to do what I want to do and rebel. I thought about it, but actually, <laughs> A, it seemed too much effort and B, you know, I love Jesus and he was doing some great stuff in my life despite some of the, the tough stuff that came with being a pastor's kid. Yeah. Um, but it was, really, it was really formative and um, yeah, I uh, sometimes, well, quite a lot of the time I shied away because I didn't want to fight. I didn't want to yeah. go down that road. But other times like, no, this is important to me and I had some, it is interesting when people mature a bit, especially moving into sixth form, the amount of times I had people come up to me and said, oh, Pete, you actually believe in this Jesus stuff. Can I ask you a question? Oh, beautiful. And so that is a testimony. I, I, yeah. And I, I wasn't the best example. I did a lot of stuff I shouldn't have done. You always make mistakes. But yeah. I think there's something to be said for sticking with it and to um, not be ashamed of what you believe because mm-hmm. people will eventually see, hopefully see some integrity in what you believe and by the yeah. way you try to live. Uh, and um, that can be a real testimony to witness to people. And it was in, in many circumstances leading mm. up to probably years. <laughs> that, is very, that is very insightful, especially hearing that you went through that as a teenager, being mm. bullied for your faith and for your identity as, you know, somebody who was obviously a child of a vicar. So therefore, mm. you know, a church boy, if you could call it that. Um, and yeah. it's interesting that you're talking about people being scared to talk about Jesus I just yeah. felt that was an interesting way of putting it. So what is the observation that you've made maybe in our generation, say compared to previous generations, for example, or, you know, what are the things that you've seen that have given you that sort of um, view that people are scared to talk about Jesus? And and it's, it would be interesting to see if that is even a thing that is, that is um, common knowledge in the church and being addressed within the Christian community. Great. Yeah. I think if you ask anyone, like, what's the number one reason that you you don't want to share your faith or you hold back? I think the number one reason that people would say is fear, mm. um, which I think isn't true, but I'll come to that in a minute. But fear is massively up there. Um, mm. um, this can be for any number of reasons. I guess one is that we as Christians, we want to be liked. And I think that's a good thing. Like yeah, Jesus right. was a popular guy. Like he, he, he suffered massively, but through the gospels, he was a guy that was always invited to parties and meals. And he was a well-respected rabbi, but I also think he was a guy that liked to have a good time. People liked to be around him. And so um, we want to be liked and that's a good thing. Um, but at the same time, I think we can take that too far. And mm. um, there's such a fear about people's opinions of us. Um, and um, I think, fear, yeah, fear comes in, especially with friendships, about not wanting to spoil friendships, not wanting right. to seem pushy. Um, and I think it's because um, we've made talking about Jesus something that isn't natural and ordinary and every day. We can often mm. hype talking about Jesus. We talk about evangelism in the church, which is something we should do. It's a call of Jesus on everyone's life, not yeah. just the evangelist. But we can also like hype it up at times. So Jesus becomes the, the, the pinnacle of the thing that I have to bring into conversation. And we get so nervous about it, think, oh, I'm going to try my best to kind of set the context of a conversation. And then I'll go, oh, Jesus, and I'll mention him. And we get so nervous about that. But do you know what I mean, I think we should be as natural talking about Jesus than the great meal we had the other week, if he is such a big part of our lives. And Absolutely. I think I've learned with my friends, like, um, 
the more I talk about Jesus in an ordinary everyday way, the more they receive it well and mm. um, more conversations open up. But fear is massive. I think it's J. John that talks about Christians are often like um, Arctic rivers frozen at the mouth. And, and so it's so an fear interesting comes, way to put it. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I think fear yeah, is be- because we often have a fear of being liked and what people think of us. But yeah. I think also at the same time, there's a fear because we don't have a confidence in how to share our faith. Absolutely. And we, don't have com- we don't have a competence to do that. Um, and it's interesting, if you think about um, the journey of someone who becomes a Christian, especially in the church context, um, they'll have an an encounter with Jesus and we celebrate that and that is all very genuine and what we're really good at in the church this isn't a criticism but we bring people into community so well we love people they kind of dive head on and start to serve in church and do all these things Mm -hmm. but it's interesting because before there was a church Jesus gave a mission but often what we do with the church is we 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 love people so well that we forget to talk about how to actually do the mission and so yeah. I think there's for so long um, in the church, again, it's, not, it's more of an observation than criticism. Mm-hmm. In sure, the sure. Church, we have, um, um, we've just not taught people very well the, 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 the primary thing that Jesus called us to do, which was Matthew mm-hmm. 28, go and make disciples uh, of all nations. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I think people lack a basic confidence and competence to A, share their story, if you can't do anything else, share your story. That has more weight than anything else because people, you've got a story of transformation, of encounter with Jesus that people cannot question. Absolutely. And if people have a confidence to share, look, this is who I am. This is what Jesus has done in my life. Take it or leave it, but this is the way it's changed me. Mm-hmm. I think that's the starting point for people. When people come to faith, let's teach people to share their story. Mm-hmm. Um, the second thing is I think is good to teach people, and we don't do it that well. I mean, a question for you, Sarah, in, in your church upbringing, how many times were you taught how to share the gospel? Or We were sent. We weren't necessarily taught as much, but we were sent. So we definitely yeah. had evangelism as a, you know, a key objective and a key goal. But I was actually going to talk about this as well, is the schooling and the education and the mm-hmm. constant training. I don't know that it's always there. Um, so yeah. it's like you have the mission, you know the mission, but then being equipped for the mission it seems to be a bit lacking, I think, I'd say. Yeah. And you know what? That's what Jesus did with his followers. He had 12 mm. followers and he did life on life with them, but he equipped them for the mission. Mm-hmm. And um, he kind of gave them the tools when he was talking about prayer and fasting and and um, loving people well. All the things equipped them for the mission to mm-hmm. go and do what he did. But we read about in Acts and all the, the, the letters. Um, and I think um, it's interesting as a, as a church leader, I've changed my role recently, but I planted a church four years ago. Right. And I realized how easy it is from a church leader's point of view to get sucked into just doing church. And we've got a great community Absolutely. when people encounter community, they do encounter Jesus. But it was so easy to forget, actually, before there was a church and before Jesus kind of commissioned the church, he gave his people a mission. Mm. And it is the fruit of the mission that Jesus gave us is church. Mm-hmm. And often we can mix the two around. We we do church and evangelism and sharing our faith is an activity that we do, but actually it's the first call that Jesus gives his disciples. Go mm-hmm. and make disciples. But you and know the group of going to make disciples is, is community, it's church. It is. But you know, you said something at the start about how you were being bullied for being a Christian mm-hmm. from a very young age. And then you talked about the fear 
that we have of sharing our faith. And so if we marry those two points together, obviously not so much in the context of being bullied, but in the context of being persecuted and rejected and cancelled in certain yeah. cases. So for example, a Christian who is an actress or an actor or a musician in the mainstream space suddenly, you know, mentions that they're Christian. The next thing they get asked a, a pigeonholing kind of question, probably around homosexuality or something, knowing that they're a yeah. Christian, they expect them to answer in a certain way and, and instantly they just cancel them. And so, you know, back in the day, it would have been, you know, being bullied or you know being spat on or whatever today it's a very almost blue color kind of persecution if you like and what do we say to that kind of you know instance where as a christian there's that fear you know rightly or wrongly of being persecuted of being cancelled once they know that you are a christian and what you stand for it's almost like you know how do you balance that because it's great we we, we i know that i have a mission i know that i'm christian and i know Mm. i'm called to share my faith but if you think about people who are in certain positions, you know, occupying yeah. certain offices, for example, and and we need those kind of people in those spaces. So how do how do we advise or how do we, you know, sort of equip and enable mm. people like that to share their faith in such a way that they don't get cancelled? Yeah, great question. I think there's there's no shame in those up those moments where we we don't maybe step up to the mark or say the things we know we should say. Everyone does that. What I love in the scriptures is the story of Peter. He was like he's the famous bit where he denied Jesus and yet Jesus reinstates him. And he's the one on which Jesus says, on this rock, I'll build my church. Mm, and so it's it's not cheap grace, but there is grace. And it's we can heap shame on ourselves for not doing it, but it happens to everyone in loads of different circumstances, but you're right. We, the society we live in has, it's interesting. We're, we're more tolerant than we ever have been apart from when it comes to faith, especially faith in Jesus. Christians. And absolutely. Really difficult. Yeah. I mean, my mum, she was a nurse um, for all of her career and she loved the patients that she worked with and any opportunity she got, she would pray with people. Um, she gets to share the gospel with people. But then I noticed later on, um, just the risk that you take in doing that of being reprimanded of being work. I've, I've heard numerous stories of this happening um, in schools when teachers in RE lessons have shared about this is what my faith means to me. And they've been pulled up on it because um, they're considered either to be dogmatic or pushing their views and opinions, but isn't that what everyone else does? Everyone has, we live in a, I hate this word, but post-truth kind of world. You believe what you want to believe, and if it's true for you, it's true for you. We tolerate that, yet we don't tolerate someone else who says, I have a faith in Jesus, and these are my convictions, and this is what I believe. And there can be a, a good way and a bad way. Um, mm-hmm. in, in, in the gospel, it talks about, uh, in the Bible, it talks about Jesus came full of grace and truth. Um, he told, he didn't kind of fluff anything up. He told the truth, mm-hmm. and yet he did it with grace. And sometimes mm-hmm. we can go one way or the other. Um, but as you were saying, I think when it comes to sharing our faith in the difficult places, do you know what? If you get persecuted for your faith, I think you're doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that we need to get used to as Christians, which we're not used to, especially in the Western church, is that to be a Christian and a follower of Jesus, Jesus said it himself. He says, um, in this world, you will suffer. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but then he says, but take heart because I've overcome the world. And also in the gospels, it says this, it says, um, you, um, people will hate you because of me. me. Absolutely. And again, think we want to be liked. We want people to like us, but the gospel is offensive. Some of the truth of, of the scriptures and what Jesus says is offensive. I think there's a spiritual reality to that, but also mm-hmm. it confronts lifestyles and especially in the West, you know, you don't have to, I've had it. I've never... I've been in situations. I used to love going to nightclubs and party. I worked in a bar, but I try my best. I messed up now and again, but I, I would try my best to hold my integrity, to not go and get drunk and say and do stupid things. Mm-hmm. I never said anything about that being a part of my faith, but people, when they found out I was a Christian, almost saw the way that I behaved as judgment on them. They'd say, oh, you just think you're better than us because you don't do this. And but you never even said that. I've not even said anything. <laughs> it's because, and I think there's a spiritual reality to it, but also there's a reality of the way that our society is set up. I was speaking about this actually this morning. Um, um, to indulge whatever you want to do. If you want it, you have it. If you need it, then you go for it. Um, if it looks good, then do it. Whereas to be followers of Jesus, he's called us to live differently. And our lifestyles alone can be offensive. But when it comes to proclamation, which I think is so important, you will be persecuted. People will fall out with you. People won't like what you have to say. And yes, we say things with grace and with love, but Mm. we will have to be okay with those moments when people just shoot us down and will call us all sorts of things. Again, look at the gospels, like, Pretty much all of the disciples were martyred for their faith. Absolutely. They were and, and, and you look at where the church is growing fastest in the world. I think it's around at the moment. Um, they're that faithful awesome. to Jesus. And it's, and you know what? They're the most persecuted and yet they've been faithful to the gospel and the gospel is going wild. And um, again, you've got a basis in scripture, but in Ephesians where it talks about our, our battle isn't against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities. And yes. we're going to encounter that. And that's going to increase. And so it is hard to share your faith. And this is why it's scary to talk about Jesus. It's um, is because we will come against those things. And it can cause fractures in relationships. But here's what I think it boils down to as well. I said, we often think fear is the number one thing why people don't like to talk about Jesus. Mm-hmm. And that is so true. But I think, and again, I speak this to myself. This doesn't come up from a place of judgment, but an observation of my own life. I think the reason why I don't talk about Jesus so readily is because the reality of the gospel isn't as alive as it once was in my life. I think it was David in the Psalms who said, he praised this. I think it comes in the context of when he had slept with Bathsheba and killed Uriah and done all those awful things. And he he, he talks about have mercy on me, God. And he says this line, he says, um, um, restore to me the joy of your oh, salvation. In other words, take me back to that first place where I received the miracle of grace and forgiveness. And do you know what? The best people to share the gospel, I think, are new Christians because they're in that moment of the gospel is the best. It's not just good news. It is the best news. Absolutely. And like John 4 with the woman at the well, when she receives the gospel and experiences Jesus. tell everyone, yeah. Exactly. Come on. Yeah, she wants to tell it. And I think... For me, the reason why I'm not readily sharing is because of fear. But the reason why I fear is because I think I need to come back to that. Revelation talks about return to your first love. Um, remember the height from which you felt. And I think there's something about um, raw, um, 
passion for Jesus, which Ever, kindled yeah. an urgency for the gospel. And so what, you're a worship leader, so you'll know this, Sarah, but we want people to encounter the presence of Jesus. And I'm a worship leader as well. And, and that's my heart when we lead worship. Um, and we love those times in the presence of God and you just sense his presence and it's beautiful and it's intimate and it's great to do that with others. But, you know, the purpose for worship isn't for self-indulgence and so we feel good. That is part of it. We're in relationship with Jesus, but the purpose is to propel us to the mission. Mm. Like, Isaiah Gomes. Propel us to the mission. That's an interesting yeah, one. I love that. Matt wrote an amazing song. It was on the Face Down album years ago. And he wrote a song and it said, let worship be the fuel for mission. It says, let worship be the fuel for mission's flame. And then he says, let worship be the heart of mission's aim. In other words, worship points us to Jesus. And when we get a greater glimpse of Jesus, we cannot help but speak about him. That's right. And the purpose of our mission is to lead people back to worship. That's right. So I think the number one thing that's going to wake people up with, a, with an urgency uh, and and uh, a desire to share their faith yeah. is coming back to the reality the of the gospel. Love, yeah. And I think it, it kind of, but buttressing that point when it comes to coming back to our first love we're in an age where we're crowded with so many things you know how jesus talked about the parable of the sower mm-hmm. and how he sowed certain seeds and some were literally stuck in weeds and the weeds choked yeah. them up and i feel like in this age there's so many weeds from social media to the pandemic to just day-to-day mm-hmm. life um and so we literally need to declutter our lives yeah from the things that are taking our attention off of God. Sometimes it feels like when we're in church, that's probably Mm. the only time we're squarely focused on him. And then the second we step out of the building, everything just comes bombarding at our minds and our our spirits and our souls. And I think Mm -hmm. to your point, coming back to our first love could involve decluttering and reflecting on where we were. And and, because we did this thing in my church, I go to King's Church in Southeast London and we did a marriage course um, which happens every year for you know mm-hmm. every couple who's interested yeah. and we have so many bits of assignments and homework and um, exercises and one of the exercises was around reflecting on where you were when you first met each other what you saw about them mm-hmm. that attracted you to them and and it makes you fall in love again yeah. and I think to get back to our first love we almost need to retrace our steps to where we were when we first heard about Jesus and how exhilarating mm. it felt to come to know that he loved us so much that he took our place and 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 he still loves us even now I mean not loved as yeah. a past tense but he continually shows his love to us even now and always will and just mm. coming to that place and revisiting the position we were I think could yeah. be something because I've never really reflected on this theme the way that you've enlightened me on tonight mm-hmm. so I think that could be something that we could all take away in, in the sense of going back retracing our steps where were we what meeting was it if we can picture the meeting picture you know the atmosphere and just reposition mm-hmm. ourselves in that place fall in love with Jesus again and you know you talked about revelations a letter to the churches where mm-hmm. he talked about you know, you know, um, the revelation, the revelation that John received to the different churches, one of them was come back to your first love. What you just said has opened my eyes as to the why, because sometimes we read the scripture, we don't quite get the why. But as yeah. you say, the why is so that the fire can be rekindled. Yeah. Because obviously he talked about, you know, you're neither cold nor hot. Mm. And that could be very much yeah. why, because we aren't, you yeah. know, where we were when we started the journey. And so, I mean, in a society where it's, socially unacceptable would you would you agree that it's socially unacceptable to be a christian because i feel like oh, so that is many spheres. Yeah, yeah 
Exactly. So in a society where it's socially unaccessible to be Christian, we need something more that's fueling us. Otherwise, we'll easily mm. burn out of steam. Yeah. And here's the thing, Sarah, as well. I, I, I think um, the church, again, this is observation. And again, I'm yeah. part of this because I, I've led a church and I know this. Attractional church is great and, and, and it, it works and we should still do it. Um, and, but often it's, it's the externals and the stuff that we often concentrate on the church for what draws people to Jesus. The most attractive thing about the church should be Jesus himself. That's right. And, and that comes from every member realizing, again, not to feel burdened with this, but to feel actually Jesus has called you to be an agent of hope to the world. And the way that you do that is to share what he's like. Can I um, say though, that that's yeah. not always the case. I've made observations too, where I've seen that Jesus oh, yeah. is not always the reason people, but I say people, some churches invite people to church. They want you to come and be a better person, right? They want to come and give you some motivational lectures. Yeah. Um, they bring, you know, concerts and which is not there's nothing I'm a singer I love going to I love having concerts and organizing concerts mm-hmm. but sometimes it's all around the music the lights and the and the smoke machines um but not Jesus so it feels like sometimes churches do not put Jesus as the message um yeah. rightly or wrongly it could well be that they're putting something else that's more palatable as bait yes. to get people mm-hmm. in and then present Jesus and actually maybe a question to you is what would you say to that strategy because it does work for some churches they pull you in with music, pull you in with, you know, festivals or whatever it is. And then they give you Jesus, especially with young people, for example, young people don't <laughs> want to be bored with the detail. Show me a, a, you know, an art competition or, you know, a drama club or whatever, yeah. but pull me in with that and then tell me about Jesus, which I think is probably some a way to go about it. You can't really knock that down per se. Can you know? Definitely. Paul says, um, uh, he says, I become all things to all people so that by all possible means. I, I may, may save, save a few. Word. Absolutely. I want to become relevant. And I think the stuff about engaging culture, um, part of my brother's story, even though he grew up in a Christian home, like he almost did away with church and it was playing the bass in our worship band that kind of kept him there. Someone who said, are you musical? Do you want to come and play bass? He was like, I play guitar, but I'll give bass a go. And he started playing bass and he got in with a community of people. And so nothing wrong with that at all. Yeah. But I think... Um, there's an amazing writer, it's kind of a missiologist called Alan Hirsch, I think you've heard of him, brilliant writer, he's written so many great books, and he said this line that's really stuck with me, especially as someone who has been leading a church recently, um, and he said, um, what you win people with, you win them too. Right, um, so, interesting. And, and I said, oh, this is interesting, because again, I've been involved with big missional stuff, I used played drums with um, various people. We used to do big evangelistic stuff and it was great. People came to the Lord and we don't knock that in any way. But I'd say often the means by which we win people to the Lord is often kind of the, the expectation of what the Christian life is like. And so me and some of my friends, I was a Christian before I went to any of the big summer festivals, but some of my friends, they became Christians at Soul Survivor and all these different events. Yeah, yeah. Brilliant. There was a genuine encounter with Jesus there. But you encounter them in this liminal space, this kind of, whoa, is this what being a Christian is like? And they're once of the Lord in this kind of moment. But actually what Jesus says about following him is, you know, if you want to follow me, you've got to take up your cross and deny yourself. 
And, and being a Christian, the reality of being a Christian is hard. So often in these amazing moments, we can, yes, have a genuine encounter with Jesus, but then our mm-hmm. expectation that we're going to float on air, that it's going to be, yes, I'm a Christian and all is well. And it's, this just seems pretty great and worship so great and Holy Spirit is just great. And the reality in the everyday, we don't live in those places. And mm-hmm. the, call, the call of Jesus is hard. It is. Um, but you know what? It comes back to what we were saying about our first love but it's worth it. When you encounter what the gospel means and the power of what Jesus has done and the hope that we have, you go, this is so worth it. That's why the persecuted church is thriving. They think this is hard. We, we're mm. getting imprisoned, tortured, and some people in other nations have been killed for their faith, but they say, but the gospel is worth it. Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, I lost where I started that point, but again, it, it comes <laughs> back to first loving Jesus. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and so what would you say to somebody who is um, fine talking about God? So, for example, and I'm just picking this as a random example, mm-hmm. say you were a creative and you're writing music and they're like, yeah, you can take out Jesus, uh, but you can replace it with God or him, you know, things like that. What would you say to people who would probably just in just day today, they're OK to talk about God, but they're scared of using the J word, if you could call it that? I it depends on what sphere. There's some interesting people who have spoken about this. There was a famous composer and I'm not that well. There was one com- famous composer who was like fervent Christian. And um, someone said to was it Bach or someone else, someone said to him, would you compose Christian compositions? And he went, oh, what do you mean? He said, I'm a follower of Jesus. And so everything I do is worship. And it was um, um, John Foreman from Switchfoot who asked a similar question. He said, are you a Christian band? Because you don't really talk overtly about your faith. And he said, we follow Jesus and we love Jesus and we write about life and we write about faith. Sometimes we mention things about Jesus. Sometimes we don't. It's like, what makes it Christian? I think mm-hmm. um, it depends on your purpose. If you want to reach people with the gospel, then you talk about the gospel. Yeah. If you want to, if you just want to talk about and celebrate Jesus through another means of worship, you can just celebrate all that's good in the world. So you sing mm-hmm. about hope and the things he's blessed you with. You talk about, life and love and all those things you can do that i think without mentioning jesus but i think if it comes to sharing the gospel we need to i believe proclamation is really important Mm -hmm. if if no one speaks it then who's going to hear it that's what it says in the scriptures i think eventually we can we can demonstrate with our lives as we should do and we can talk about hope and we can put all the words around it, but sooner or later, the only name <laughs> which by people will be saved is, is Jesus. the name of Jesus. Again, yeah. And again, I say this, don't put pressure and judgment or shame on yourself because you cop out. Like I work at a church and I cop out still at times. I think this just isn't the right. Do you know what I mean? I have those moments and I'm like, man, why do I do that? But you know what? There's, again, there's grace. And I think, um, yeah, the church can be bad for mm. why you're not sharing the gospel. But at the same time, I think we need to be challenged to do it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there needs to be accountability and regular discussion in churches about sharing your faith. We Absolutely. Said, it said in, in church culture, what you celebrate, you replicate. And so one of the things that's really great with um, the church I'm a part of, we're quite a big church, and a senior leader, he's so great about celebrating um, the stories where people have shared their faith. And here's mm. the thing, we don't celebrate the fact that someone came to know, we do celebrate that someone came to know Jesus, but what we celebrate is that someone shared their faith. 
And that's the win. That's the thing we celebrate. Because we can think, I shared, I shared my faith and, and I got marked or I shared my faith and nothing happened. You celebrate that and you think you that's a victory. That's not a that's you've not failed there. You've done exactly what you should do. Because if you share yeah. the gospel, the pressure isn't with you. The pressure isn't with you to know enough and to push. We think, oh, I need to know enough to persuade someone to believe this. No we share the gospel and we share who Jesus is and it's the Holy Spirit that does the rest. Mm. Pressure's not on us. If you think about it that way, it's like, for me, that thing, oh, I just feel so much lighter. Yes, there's a, a responsibility for me to share the message. Mm. But in the rest of life of Jesus, and like, I'm never going to, I my best friend's called Johnny, Sarah, and I could argue right now with you that he's, you should be his best friend because of X, Y, and Z. And you'll go, yeah, but, I don't want to be best friends with him because I don't know him. That's the job of the Holy Spirit. We yeah. introduce you to Jesus and the Holy Spirit kind do, of he'll do the rest. gives you revelation of who he is. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because I think when it comes to sharing our faith as well, you know, we've talked about the importance of the church equipping us with, you know, like mm-hmm. workshops, training, being very intentional about having these things in place. Do you think that we generally, you know, given that you work in, in, in church just day to day do you and obviously you might have observed from other churches do you think that churches typically are equipping you know people enough to be able to share the faith because you talked about celebrating sharing the faith more so than even people coming to Christ which is also worth celebrating because sharing the faith as you say you're sowing the seed someone else is going to sow another seed someone else is going to water mm-hmm. it over time the harvest will come so the mm-hmm. importance is literally sharing and you don't have to have all the answers but is the church equipping its members or her members um Mm -hmm. enough to be able to just share confidently and regularly i'd say i i've seen many churches when yes that is true okay and again i i think again it comes down to just asking and being honest with your church are and sometimes this one church surveys can be good. Like, are you mm. confident at sharing your faith or even your story? Again, I think, first of all, be confident and competent at sharing your story. Learn. One of the things that we've started to do as a church is um, we give people simple tools of um, ways of sharing your story. So we mm. do something called um, um, uh, BC kind of AD and Oh, basically before Christ, when you met Jesus and what your right, life right, right. Like Okay, gotcha. Yeah, Three yeah. simple ways of sharing your faith. So people go, oh, my life before Jesus. Some people say it as simply as this, my life was terrible, I was a mess, and I was addicted to this or I had this problem. When I met Jesus, I just felt everything clicked into place and I, I just felt like I was loved and I had value and purpose. Since meeting Jesus, I've struggled and it's been really tough but I wouldn't change it for the world because it gives me life and hope. Mm. And that's a real simple tool. And that's one of the tools that we help give people to share their story that's and really practice good. it. It's one thing to, to know your story in your head, but practice it. And this is what we try and do in some of our small groups is on a regular basis, share your story with your small group. A, because it's easy to do amongst Christians. And then when you get the confidence of doing it there, maybe share it with someone else. And we, we encourage to think, look, how are easy ways in of sharing your faith or even a simple thing? Look, I, I see you really going through something at the moment. I'm a Christian and I believe in Jesus and I believe that there's power in this. Could, could I pray for you? Mm. So something like that. But then also it does come, we have a simple tool and there's not one tool that works for everyone. We have something called Absolutely. the three circle, three circles tool. And we draw out three circles and we do various things. And it's a simple way 
And it's a way, not the way of sharing the gospel. And for a lot of the guys at our church, we found that super helpful. But unless you put tools in people's hands, some people will look mm-hmm. at the scriptures and go, where do I start in explaining what the yeah. gospel is and who Jesus is? Yeah, but yeah. again, share your story first. Yeah. Anyone listening now, write down your story. Keep it short. Keep it simple. What was your life like before Jesus? How did you encounter him? And what's your life been like since? And mm. be honest. And people connect to story. You know, we're lovers of Instagram, Facebook, and we love stories and reels and all that kind of stuff because we love insight into people's lives. Absolutely. Um, and what is lacking, I think, in a lot of social media stuff, not all of it, uh, but is um, transparency. Um, you ever seen those kind of the real Instagram where you see the stories about Instagram? But what people really value and find connection with is vulnerability. Brené Brown talks mm-hmm. about loads of great. If you ever read Brené Brown, she's brilliant. But about being vulnerable with your story and open with your life. Yeah. And, and I think people will connect with that. And story is so important. And then think, okay, how can I explain what the gospel is now? Share my story. Yeah. yeah. No, that's really good. I love those tips. So for everyone watching and listening, please take notes. I'm actually taking notes as well. I'm going to try and <laughs> practice that myself. Just one final question before we wrap up, because I know, you know, we've talked about all the practical tips that the church can put mm-hmm. in place, things that we need to do ourselves in terms of going back to our first love and just reconnecting with Christ. So we have that zeal and passion again. Mm-hmm. But for that person who's actually been cancelled because they shared their faith, you know, it could have been at work, as you talked about your mum, for example, firsthand, you know, these things happen. What kind of encouragement do you have for somebody who's been cancelled because they shared their faith? And they might even be struggling. They might be doubting. They might be going through all sorts of emotional um, upheaval just because of this experience. Just, gen- just yeah, would like to get your thoughts, um, advice, tips, even prayer, encouragement for anyone who may be it may have been cancelled just because they talked yeah. about Jesus. Yeah. Um, first of all, I say, if you're not already in community with other people who love you and will champion you, then do that. Like the, um, I think that's one of the most important things. We, we don't do this journey alone. And um, I think there's a real importance and a huge value in being able to journey with people that you trust and who love you and who know you and you can be honest with. And I found one of the most healing things whether it's been rejected because of talking about my faith or something else of just knowing actually, but these people have got my back. Mm. I think get yourself engaged in community. And I, I think, um, especially for, for millennials, there's been a lot of people say, oh, I don't need church. I can have my faith without church. No, we, we need the church. Jesus called us to do this thing in community mm. uh, with other people. So, so that's the first thing. Um, the second thing is to say, and because you read one and two, Peter, um, a lot of that is orientated towards um, church who had been persecuted at the time. And do you know what? He talks about like blessed are those who are persecuted. If you've ever been rejected, look, in Isaiah, the prophecy about Jesus was that Jesus was familiar with suffering and know this, Jesus more than anyone else knows what it's like to be rejected. He was rejected by his, and abandoned by his best friends. And do you know what? The power of the incarnation, the power of the cross is is that Jesus joins us in our suffering. He didn't just reach down from heaven and go, I can go zip, zap, zap, and everything is all right. He came down into the worst of humanity. He felt it. He experienced it Mm. to say, I know how it feels. Mm. And for me, I take massive comfort in that, to know that my God, who has all power and all authority, he came down and chose to suffer the things that I suffer and worse. Mm. And he sits with me in that, says, I'm here and I know what it's like. But this isn't all there is as well. But I believe what if you if you've experienced that and it is heartache. And just, I know for some people, I have I've had friends that have 
um, being um, ostracized by their family for their faith right. in Jesus. Um, and it, it is super difficult. But Jesus will say to you, look, no, well done. You are faithful to the gospel because mm. of what you've done. And we don't always see the reward of the things that we do here on earth. But I tell you what, like there'll be a party for what you are doing, for the way you're walking with integrity, for the way you're mm. sharing your faith. Know that Jesus honors it. And I, I just believe in the long term, you will be blessed, whether it's mm. this side of eternity or not. Yeah. I think like Jesus loves it when people are obedient to him. Absolutely. Um, and be encouraged by that as well. Absolutely. Yeah. That's really, really good. And what a wonderful way to kind of wrap up the conversation mm. today about, you know, being too scared to talk about Jesus. I think mm. there's been so many nuggets that you've dropped today, Pete, and I've definitely taken a few things away myself. So thank you so much for sharing. And um, I'm sure it's been a blessing to those who are listening. You've been listening to the Church on Box podcast with me, Sarah Tabor. If you'd like to share your thoughts on today's program, please visit the Church on Box Facebook group. I'd love to hear from you. And if you'd like to hear more about what I think about today's topic, go and sign up for our email list at www.churchonbox.net and we'll be in touch.